they're answering a question and then all of a sudden they'll start tickling them with a feather or they'll like put their feet in like cold custard or something and, and they've got to try to carry on talking and it like and it's hilarious to see them so maybe it's something like there's the adult version of that you know when it's just like someone you know really well and they're being you know, introduced and described as an emerging writer, you're like, yes, man. Like, yeah. In there, you know, it's been sick. You get that, like, you get that swell of, like, pride and adrenaline, almost as if it's you. Hello, guys. You're listening to P.S. I'm Blind. We are a group of five friends chatting about pretty much anything that takes our fancy from books and games to politics and TV shows. And we all happen to have some level of visual impairment. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn and Stitcher. And you can follow us on Facebook at p.s.imblind. You can follow us on Twitter at p.s.i.m.b.l.i.n.d. Same for Instagram. And you can email us at p.s.i.m.b.l.i.n.d. at gmail.com. Can you guys believe that the last time we actually released a podcast was Christmas? It was. Oh my god, that almost a year. The amazing yeah. record. Oh yes, with our nine uh, months ago. That is yeah. We, one of us could have had birthed a child in that time. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a story to tell, Ree? No. I've, I've got nothing, guys. Sorry. No, but it does seem like people are having babies. Maybe they're lockdown babies. Like I keep on hearing like lockdown people are pregnant. Baby and... Literally. I know. I think I, we're I just at that age like... where. Some of my family members and that, friends yeah. are like on their second slash third babies. I'm like, whoa. I wonder <laughs> if 10 years time, like sociologists are going to look back and be like, yeah, there was like a baby boom in lockdown and it's going to be termed like lockdown babies, like officially. Yeah, I, oh, I, I think lockdown boomers. Lockdown Ooh. boomers, yeah. I mean, what has everyone been up in lockdown? One thing that I really wanted to bring and kind of celebrate together is Sam's audio dramas. I, I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about that more, Sam, but I feel, well, as a friend, really proud of you. That's like Me an too. amazing achievement. Definitely. Sam yeah, is, an, is an emerging writer, ladies and gents, as broadcast on BBC. Tell he's us gonna more, be, Sam. He's going to be the next Tolkien. Yeah, oh. a, I'm, I'm predicting it. I'm predicting it. I'm calling it. Um. Well, it was just one piece that I wrote. Um. Gosh, I don't even know how long ago. About a year, two years, 2019. It all started. I applied for this commission. Um. And I recommend. Well, I gave them my ideas to what I wanted to do. Um, with a piece of writing and I wanted to do an audio I think the option was to do like a film um, some interactive stuff but I thought I'd keep it simple and just do an audio piece um, and then uh, they liked my idea they asked me to write the piece like from the beginning <laughs> so I wrote I wrote it once I wrote like a sample I sent it to them they sent it back to me and they're like this is great finish it I finished it I sent it again and they were like oh right this this is great I like it but we have some questions and I said oh shall I change some bits I said, no no just just rewrite it so start from the beginning which was surprisingly easy um and then it was produced Wait, I went into the they studio to rewrite it they asked me to rewrite it yeah why, 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 but your story was the same right or was it just about 
the style. It was it was how the story was going to progress. So it, initially, it started off as separate events. There was nothing connecting those events. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if anyone has listened to it, but it's about someone going on a train travel um, somewhere, and it just felt like just uh, each scene was a different story. Like there were different parts rather than just one single story. So I think that's kind of why they asked me to rewrite it. Did you um, learn anything about yourself as, as a writer doing that, going through that process? Well, first thing, I thought writing in the second person was really difficult. That's one thing. I don't know why I decided to do that. Um, and as for what I've learned, um, I would say the main thing is not to hurry because a lot of the times I put myself under a lot of pressure and just don't focus on the story very much and another thing I can actually do it my writing is worth a damn <laughs> so that, that, that was the um thing I took away from it and it was even more surreal when um I mean the first time when we went into the studio and I heard the guy record it um he did a great job I was like oh this this is this is fantastic. Like this person's reading my words for some reason. Um, and then <laughs> after that, when I when it aired on BBC Radio 4 Extra and I turned it on and I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to just listen to the beginning. And it was like so strange. I mean, the lady said my surname right the first time. Um, then she got it wrong the second time. But, you know, no, no, no complaints there. But still, like, my name on the fucking radio oh my god it felt so strange yeah i i because it, it first aired like really early in the morning and i woke up because i could I, I woke up at six in the morning and it, it came out like half six in the morning i was like i'm gonna tune in because i want to listen to this and like you know when it's just like someone you know really well and they're being you know introduced and described as an emerging right and you're like yes man like yeah in there you know it was, it was sick just you get that like you get that swell of like pride and adrenaline almost as if it's you <laughs> yeah 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 definitely that must have been so cool Sam to just be sitting there listening to your own work being read back to is there a link Sam that we could link in the description so people can go listen to it um I don't know if it's still on uh sound was the other sound BBC one sounds. BBC, BBC sounds. sounds it should still be We'll, okay. we'll see. We'll have a look. If, we, if it's there, we'll put it. Yeah. I'm sure they have an archive. Definitely. <laughs> the other what thing um, is uh, Sam, <clears throat> one of your audio dramas was actually performed, wasn't it? Um, by sort of voice actors. And I went along to... How would you describe it? We went to a theatre, but it was... We all kind of sat around a radio listening to these audio dramas. Uh, which was so cool. And one of them was Sam's. Yeah, I remember. So that was kind of like a different, different project, project, I guess. So so we um, have this thing near our live called the writer's room, kind of. Uh, so, you know, we go there, we have like various terms and we work on a piece. And that time it was an audio piece, uh, an audio drama. And they just said, okay get an idea and I had this idea for a while so I wrote it as a synopsis to start with and it was kind of this weird meta 
piece about uh, 2000, like um, the years being personified. So 2021 was a person, 2020 was a person, 2010 was another, um, and it was just kind of action slash sci-fi piece. And that was um, that was uh, recorded. And the way this showcase worked, like uh, Mariam said earlier, so it was just um, us just sat on chairs around like a sort of like a radio installation in the middle of the room. And we were just listening to all of the place go. So there was a little bit of an introduction, a bit of a description and then the play. And there was another one. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I'll ever get used to anyone performing things I've written. So, yeah, that that's that's another thing I'll take away from it. I, I don't think I will ever. There's never there's never going to be a situation where I'm going to just sit down and go, oh yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> no, because it's it's oh, so yeah, it's so work. personal, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Everything that you put in to a piece of work, like I, I kind of can only relate in a similar way to like when people have played my music and it's so weird like because sometimes you, you you hear it or you imagine stuff in your head and then it's suddenly like being played back to you and you're like oh wow that's so yeah. that's just such a cool feeling with the production sam how how much of a part did you have to play like in the sound effects because your audio drama was quite kind of sound effect heavy maybe compared to maybe some of the other ones um because sort of it was sort of sci-fi e so it had those kind of you know those sci-fi sounds um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly it was so cool um uh, so like how much of a part did you have to play in what sound effects would go in or you know the production in general did you just kind of hand over your play and then it was taken away from you or what was it what was that process um so i'm i'm going to touch back on the earlier one so the first uh, piece I wrote for BBC stuff um, that I was part of it more so I was there when they were recording it so they asked me if there's anything I would change um, I didn't because I was like no that's no, great and the second um, and then I was part of the editing process as well so I was um, sat next to the guy going through I think we spent like about a day on it um and he had like the bbc sound library and he was like okay i'm gonna start this story now it's gonna it was playing i was just taking bits out um and he was like oh right uh okay we need a train sound and it was like playing all these ones like which one sounds better to you and i was like oh this one so it felt like i had a lot of input in that first one story with the second one um the closest I'd say I had was just writing the sound effects in the story so you know write sound effects I don't know um astral gate opening um although I had to come up with some weird sounds for it so I think one of them is um the gate opens with the sound of electric bees um I I didn't think they were going to actually make that happen and I'm not sure if they necessarily did, but uh, I that's what I had in my head. And um, I mean, it still worked out fine. But yeah, no, I had less input in the second story. It was good. <clears throat> it was kind of creepy. 
I don't think <laughs> I meant it to be creepy, but I found it a bit like creepy. What the the story or like the sound effects? The or both? story. Well, well, probably both actually. Like both of them together um, created like quite a creepy <clears throat> atmosphere. Yeah. Mm. Is that how? Was that what you intended? Um. Not quite. I mean, the only bit that I was intending to be perhaps a little bit creepy is the bit at the end where you meet the main villain, mm-hmm. villainess, yeah, she was um, and she had like a very sort of uh, insane, too calm uh, mm-hmm. demeanor. Um, <clears throat> she was twenty twenty, in case anyone was wondering. So it was this idea that of course twenty twenty is the villain. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, I don't know, 2021's so, giving it a good run for its money Yeah, definitely yeah. a close second mm, but, well, I think 2021 yeah. is just the chaos at the moment. Would you ever Would you ever yeah. write a follow-on? <laughs> like, how, how does 2021 do? <clears throat> um, I, uh, probably I, I, was, I always thought that 2021 would eventually succumb to the dark side or at least fight the dark side as in 2020 is just completely gone like completely as far as um i was concerned 2020 has gone all the way um to the there ain't no coming back yeah <laughs> I, I the don't actress that voice to her was very good she really yeah, she was. made me like ugh, shivers <laughs> Oh my god, you know, I haven't I haven't listened to it. Um I haven't listened to it yet and I really want to hear it. I want to hear it now, yeah. Do you have a recording sound? Uh yeah, I do. Um I <gasps> I can put it in on little folder and then we that can would be Oh my gosh, it. yeah, do that. I would love to hear it. We can upload that as well somewhere. Maybe as a well actually with your permission, obviously, Sam. I'm not very sure about the BBC one. Um uh, but the other one, yes for sure. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. So your your year's been been going quite well, Sam. Actually, then you'd say. I would say so. It's had its ups and downs, but um, one of the things I'm hoping that it just means I'll get the chance to do more creative stuff, more writing. Yeah, I think you've certainly got your foot in the door. Yeah. Yeah, I think to do more like uh like more radio dramas or more books or sort or plays like what are you what, what's your um, future i think that i like the ideas of plays uh slash radio drama slash i mean i'm not very sure so much about film because of the um medium but i think having audio description in films and stuff has probably helped me write scripts like visual scripts and stuff so yeah. who knows mm. there might be i might write a script for a tv show who knows um yeah, but yeah. like I, I i the thing i really like about your writing sam is that you're you're very you're very descriptive um and i guess some some people might ask you as, as a blind writer how how you do that um and how you is it is that from reading is that from research you know what's what's the way that you kind of create your characters and and, and kind of visualize them on the page i would say that two percent is memory because i mean i've been blind for a while so i don't remember a lot of things um and the rest is just reading lots and lots of reading um mm-hmm. i think the hardest bit is describing things like people and 
buildings and locations. So I just try just to add just a tiny bit and just skip over. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a forest, people. Okay, we've got to move on now. Do you think about <clears throat> what um, certain descriptions might reflect? So, for instance, um, <laughs> ages ago, me and Rhea, we did English Lit as an A-level, and we also did Theatre Studies. And both of those subjects really kind of, mm, at times, talked about how maybe scenery or language can reflect something about a person or about the mood. Do you think about that in your writing? For instance, like, oh, I remember we read Tess the D'Urbervilles. Oh, <laughs> you remember that story fondly. <laughs> oh, God. Honestly, it still gives me nightmares. <laughs> um, sort of, it was, it's a tragic, like, book, basically. It's a tragic, tragic story. And um, <clears throat> really from, like, the first chapter, the colour red is mentioned a lot. I can't remember exactly. Really symbolic. It, yeah, really symbolic. And then... You know, we talk about how that kind of reflects the fact that, you know, it's tragic and she's going to basically die in the end. Well, and it's supposed spoilers. to kind of like, yeah, spoilers. For anybody who's desperate to read Tess of the D'Urberville, <laughs> sorry in advance for ruining it for you. But but it's supposed to, you know, connote that note of tragedy and the sort of fore, foreshadow like deaths and misery and yeah. like her deflowering and has all of these connotations like right from the beginning. Yeah. So do you ever think about any kind of anything like that? Um, yes, I do, um, but it doesn't come straight at the beginning. So most of the times what I will do is write the story, well, write a synopsis of the story, then write a slightly longer synopsis of the story, then write a step-by-step -step, description of the story, then write the story. But all the other like symbolisms and words that you pick, even in dialogue as well, um, I remember there was another play I wrote a little while ago and a specific character was saying something all the time. So his thing was all about like food. He would always make like um, food analogies all the time. And then you figure out right near the end, like it's because of his grandma. <clears throat> like she always used to make those food analogies. Um, it was really hard to make up fluid analogies, just in case. <laughs> um, but that sort of like creating the atmosphere, because that's kind of like, I'm assuming that's kind of what you mean, is like focus on the atmosphere and the theme always happens kind of during the editing process. That's the secret. Because when, um, you know, you write down the story, but then you have to go through it again and again and again and again I think the most I've ever edited something down was like seven times um and that's when you get all the every single word on the page or play has to mean something um, what's, what's your favorite part of writing so I was, I was listening to an interview that JK Rowling did with Stephen Fry recently, Jeremy Mariam, and um, Jacob Rowling said that she really likes uh, writing dialogue. So what's your kind of favourite part of writing, Sam? Dialogue. Yeah. Uh, um, and not just because J.K. Rowling said <laughs> it, um, but um, it's, I find just listening to people fascinating. Um, pe the, the, the words people use, the text people use, even the choice, yeah, like I said, with the words that, that like, the choices and how they 
will come across to someone and how um, um, they are as a character and how much, how much says about them. And I'm not talking about just, oh, you know, this is a person on... For example, I, I wrote, uh, in a play, I was trying to write this character who comes across as a little bit of a bitch, but <laughs> she is... Like, you get to find out why she's like that, but I it was really difficult because I didn't want to make her completely unlikable. Um, but at the same time, not you know, you have to have enough in there for her to be uh interesting and and to be relatable. Um, so all of that you had to do through dialogue. For me, the hardest bit to write though is action, like mm. things happening on stage, especially. Because people don't just sit and talk, you know, they're doing stuff. Yeah. yeah big... Like, even like, think about us movie. now. Like, I just, you know, I might, you know, be picking up my drink or um, just checking my microphones on. Like, I don't think, it, like, rarely do we just sit there. So, no, I'm, I'm a massive fidget. Oh, same. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wanted I to ask um, Sam, because I was reading Game of Thrones yesterday. I basically started reading it again. That this undertaking um and it's kind of weird because nobody talks or writes about either uncomfortable scenes or violent scenes like jr um george r, r. martin does he's just got a way that he talks about it he's almost like a sadist where he loves it right and that's that's what we love about him so i wanted to ask basically like what's the most uncomfortable scene that you've thought about or have written and how hard is that uh, either like a sexual scene or someone getting you know, dismembered piece by piece or something like that. <laughs> um, oh, I will have to say that the, not necessarily in a play, but um, short story, I think, um, it's more of a scene of war. So it's set in Greece during the Second World War and you have this character who is fighting alongside the sort of like guerrilla fighters against the German slash Italians. Sorry, Ree. Um, oh, <laughs> and um, it was basically ah, this <laughs> scene of um, a... I'm mostly British anyway. Carnage. Um, yeah. Sort of like a... <clears throat> what do you call it? You have the machine guns going and the I was describing the, the effect on... on um, the little village and the Greek mountains and mm. I had to be quite brutal with that one because I mean it's war so it was all specific because you had to feel that um, pain you had to feel that um, loss kind yeah. of thing it, almost, um, it has to be it has to be visceral for it to be impactful when, when writing stuff like that I think yeah, I, yeah. I didn't enjoy writing it. I'll have like it was difficult, um, but I feel like it was necessary. What I find very fascinating though is that a lot of people equate violent scenes with sex scenes as well. In in mm. in and this is on TV. I didn't know how true this is, but apparently there are places that I don't know if it's in America or but they don't have a problem showing violence, but the moment that I don't know, say there's a hint of a sex scene in a film, then all of a sudden rate yeah. it a bit no, higher. Stop well, it. well, because there's a lot of violence in the Bible, isn't there? But there's uh, sex is always, I guess, 
talked about in hushed behind closed doors okay, terms. So. Taboo. Mm. Yeah. 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 But, but whereas even yeah. in the Quran and the Bible, violence is is abundant. Yeah, so, it's interesting, isn't it? Because and then there's the whole sex, no sex before marriage and all that stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's one question. One more question I had. Um, <laughs> I feel like we're just like, what's the word? Interviewing. Interviewing. Inter- Interviewing. Inter- Interviewing. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. We're actually giving Sam like the the celebrity <laughs> treatment. Yeah. Red carpet. This getting you oh, ready for the you. red carpet treatment later on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Q and A's and literary shows and stuff. You know. Um, the question I had, going back to the sort of the symbolism, and what is it? What did we call it in theatre studies? Really pathetic fallacy. Pathetic that, fallacy. That, I was literally. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Pulling out her A levels now. Look at her. Oh. <laughs> oh, what was it we studied, Rhiannon? <laughs> no, that was, probably, that was I, I like didn't... over ten years ago. That's so I know, crazy. I know. It's crazy. Stop it. But I. But ever since, um, yeah, I did those A levels when we were 16, 17, 18. Um, I kind of like even now never really like watch things or read things in the same way as I did before. Um, so for instance, um, a little while ago, I think I was watching an episode of something, and uh, with audio description, and audio at the beginning it said something about there being lilies on the table. I was like, oh, lilies! That's to do with sort of death. That's the typical flower that I think people, you know, that is at funerals. I was like, someone's gonna die. So, and I was right. I was like, oh my god kind of spoils it a bit for you in that sense when you yeah. start thinking about the symbolism and like the red herrings you know yeah, that's yeah. What, I feel like that's what media studies did for me for like a good few years after I finished it um there were so many things like we had to like um study connotation and um we studied like all the different kinds of camera angles and like juxtapositions and like how one scene transitions to the next and it ruins stuff for me for ages yeah it really does like if 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 there's a scene where it's like raining and there's thunder like something bad's gonna happen happen. it's thundering something bad's gonna happen so i don't like that kind of i wouldn't say ruined yeah that's the wrong word but definitely I read things and watch things in a different way I think it Um, removes the suspense a bit from things yeah it becomes a bit almost does it or does it heighten it actually because sometimes when you would like you say when there's some when there's rain you just go all pathetic fallacies something's coming up and you go oh what's what's gonna happen you know yeah my thing is when you when you see lilies in a film you when you watch a film someone's more like more often than not gonna die unless you're watching something like a kid's film or something in it well no it was like a series what what sorry Sorry, as I say, even kids' films, like, you, you're not safe with Disney. They'll kill off your favourite person yeah. in the worst yeah. way. It's, it's, yeah, I think it was this, I can't remember what the series was, but it was ages ago, and it just kind of stuck in my mind, because I just thought, God, before I did those A-levels, I never would have, like, no. noticed. Like, Lily's on the table would have meant nothing to me. <laughs> um, so I don't know, I was going to ask if it affects the way you write or the way you read things because you're a writer i I would say it affects the the way of um consuming um for example that's another thing so the piece uh, the the one you uh um listen to about the the time fighting stuff um i had to like find all sorts of symbol like one of the characters his nickname was like butterfly and that's the whole symbolism about time and um sort of emerging from a cocoon and all that blah 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 um (laughs) and then you have someone 
who's got like hourglass and it was riddled with all that, all that stuff. And I find it really yeah. fascinating. Um, the thing that stuck with me though, is when you watch films. Um, and so there's this thing called the five act structure in a story and it pretty much as far as films go or TV shows follows that route. It's been hammered into us. Like this is how it goes. This is um, the, uh, template um, so you have things like I'll give you an example so you have act one and it, be- it begins with oh you know context establish the world and the characters who are who are they where are we when are we characters establish the story is going to be so who's the main character and that's another thing <clears throat> it's very difficult um, so w- with films when you start off and the main character is not in the like first few scenes because then it's hard for people to like associate with um there's something called the inciting incident and then as i'm watching a film i'll be like oh oh yeah that's the inciting incident isn't it um it, it does make it uh i don't know if i can call it less enjoyable as such but because i'm so immersed in it i have to take a bit of especially if i've been writing so once i take a break from writing it needs a long time for me to be able to enjoy a film again. Because <laughs> you're so aware of like the technicalities. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. What is that the same with reading? When you're reading a book, are you so aware of like what the author's doing, or this is Act One, or this is what they're doing? This is the technique they're using. Yes. Yes. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's great because then you'd be like reading, like, oh, that's a good one, and then you're not. It's not so much the plot. <laughs> Almost like you're taking notes. Like, yeah. Oh, that was a really good um, description of, you know, things like that. So you, you, and I wish I could, I have to pause it sometimes. I have to write down certain things because like that, that that's a good analogy or something that's just completely out of the blue. Um, Is there anyone in particular, like any author in particular that you feel like you've done that with? Um, I would say that... So there's this guy, he's an Australian guy, he writes fantasy um, and it's called, uh, he's called Jay Kristoff. Um, and I'm trying to remember one of the phrases that he used. Uh, it was something to do with death and it was describing it in a really um, weird way. It was almost saying something like it, it was equating something to do with death and pickpocketing. And I was like, how could you fix those two together? And then was talking about how both of them happen to you and you don't expect it. Of course, you wrote, wrote it a lot better than I actually said it. But <laughs> I was like, what? Pick, pickpocket? Oh, well, I guess. Yeah, I, I see where he he's going with that. Um, another thing, actually, I always wondered because I don't necessarily do it um, all the time. But with the whole symbolism stuff, I always wondered if people have that in their head already or some visual. So they've got all these shortcuts. Yeah, I mean, I like you said, that. someone, you know, there's rain um, when someone is upset or something. That's that's I think all these symbolisms are kind of um, are, are kind of exploring cultures you know like deep-seated kind of beliefs and experiences in cultures like you know I bet if you read books from other cultures again there'll be lots of symbolism in there that that we wouldn't understand that we'd miss we wouldn't recognize Mm. Mm. 
like things that are in you know indicative in their culture and their country to symbolize different things that are just not not considered that at all here yeah it's that's a really isn't interesting it? point yeah well, I, you know, and again, I don't know if this is because, as Marion was saying, you know, because of the things that we were taught years ago and because it was when we were, like, quite young. So it's kind of like it's impacted or it's uh, influenced the way that I think about things that sometimes I do think like that, especially if I'm, like... In real life? Bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I know, me too. Well, especially if I'm, like, bored or something, I'll be like, oh, it's raining today. Hmm. I wonder if that that's that can... apt. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, know, I do that too. Yeah, literally the same. Or I'll be like, oh, I, I even do it with like like yellow roses as well. I have this real thing in my mind that yellow roses you give them to sick people. So when I see yellow roses, or I or I'm selecting flowers to give to someone, unless they are ill, I'm like, oh no, I don't want that one. It's got yellow roses in it, and because it, it has like a negative connotation or symbolism, I'm like, oh no, I won't give that to that person. <laughs> I know that I'm I'm exactly the same. I do that in real life all the time. Yeah, all the time. And they're just oh. a couple of examples, but yeah. literally all the time. It, yeah, it's really weird how something we studied when we were like 16, 17, 18 has kind of impacted the way we think in that way, isn't it? Well, That's technically, really you do read a lot, so it, yeah. if, it it's probably stayed with you because you exercise it often. Out, out of interest, do you guys? watch read or, or consume anything from like uh, other countries like is there uh, anything in particular like viewing like particular authors like or something? like for example i watch a lot of uh, anime which is from japan like, i don't that's, i don't that's know a whole different TV, like yeah. like culture because they're, they're obviously they're they're the japanese people are making these cartoons i mm. mean to be fair with anime it's a bit different because a lot of them they're marketing them towards a a western audience i guess Mm. yeah that's what i was just thinking i i've obviously read books that are set in different countries but i don't know if they're aimed at but for example something like uh um something like death note i guess that the english that it, like the the japanese dub has a lot of weird references and stuff that i don't think you'd get but it, and it, it doesn't translate well to the english dub like it's like there's this bit where um he's making some really ominous speech about how no one's going to catch him and he goes something like this like no one can stop me i'm gonna i like nobody knows what i'm doing i'm gonna do this and then i'm gonna take a potato chip and eat it and he crunches down on this chip in this like really dramatic music <laughs> and it's it's just so it, it translates to so like hilarious but it, and, and like goofy but it's just i love it i love it Mm, I, mm. I was just wondering if you guys have any similar sort of experiences watching something well i mean i don't necessarily i don't necessarily um like watch the content directly but a lot of like some say some of the youtube channels i watch and people i follow on there are like very much in into or live in like japan or tokyo or in other places like around the country and they explain those sorts of things like so they will talk about like common um uh like translation issues between the two languages and how what the what kind of connotations that actually has in the original language in like its mother tongue and what that means and they go into a lot of like the 
um, like Japanese folk stories, folk tales and things like that. Um, or a lot of even like the gaming channels. So one of the gamers that I follow, um, she spent, I think, seven or eight years in Japan. And a lot of the games that she plays are like Japanese horror or Japanese indie games. And she explains like the culture around it because some of the games are so random and like they it doesn't translate very well over again. You'll be like, oh, to, for a concept that might be really terrifying or or ominous in in like the Japanese culture just doesn't make much sense in English and yeah. she'll like discuss it and talk about it and I find that really interesting. Um, there's like ja some Japanese game show or something uh, that, that I, I saw, I don't know if it's how true it is but I saw it online that there's contestants trying to answer questions while like basically women wank them off like under the table. What? Wow. And stuff what? like that. <laughs> like I didn't was, know what you were gonna say. Like, no, what? <laughs> it was like a Japanese TV, sh like like a a game show, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire sort of thing. But it's like they have goofy stuff like that all the time, on, on like on their TVs. Goofy, I mean... that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, that's the first thing that came into my mind. No, but it's not like it's not it's not sexual at all because you don't see the women, you just see the men and they're above the table reactions and they're like, oh, oh, trying to answer the question. <laughs> Oh my god! I might be wrong because this is like second-hand information, but I'll, I will look it up and correct hand. myself. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, it turns out that like it's someone tickling them under the table or something. It's like, oh, take it back. They have tickling as well. They have tickling ones, but they've got like. I've definitely, I've definitely seen like a, a one Japanese show where they like do different things to people. Like I don't know that they'll they'll just be sitting there answering a question, and then all of a sudden they'll start tickling them with a feather, or they'll like put their feet in like cold custard or something and, and they've got to try to carry on talking and it like and it's hilarious to see them so maybe it's something like there's the adult version of that maybe yeah maybe i don't know i don't even know if it's true but it's, it's funny. i wish it's true i really wish it's true i'd, I'd go don't <laughs> answer some questions <laughs> I'm not really sure how to react to that. <laughs> well, um, has anyone else got any questions for Sam? <laughs> you know, I feel like we've covered all of we've, the things we've I was going to talk about. I feel like we're talking about frustrating sex, and now we've ended up with people. Yeah, full circle. Yeah, just Japanese oh, yeah and Agon was, Agon was all prude about me talking about frustration sex, but yeah. oh, he's happy to chat about going on a game show where they wank you off under the table. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a chance to win money, then of course. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for letting us interrogate you. I know that probably might have been a bit unexpected. A bit intense, subjecting yourself to our uh, interrogations. It's getting you prepared for your next literary festival, Sam. So. <laughs> um, yeah, I have high hopes. I feel like this is definitely a good test run. Um, and it's, it, it was good that it was out of the blue, you know. Or what like do they red call carpet them? treatment. Yeah. And you know what? It's been so nice to get back to podcasting again after so long. So uh, uh, thank you. Just to regroup and get back together like, and actually talk about stuff has been really nice. Yeah, yeah. really 100%. nice to catch up. 100%. So we've got a cracking episode coming up for you guys as well, where we go into very deep debates about 
oh, robots, Neuralinks, technology, ring doorbells and all sorts. So I hope you tune into that, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and thank you to everyone that's contacted us sort of in these last nine months that we've been a bit silent on Twitter and email. Uh, we really appreciate you know you contacting us and asking us if we're still podcasting we definitely are um, life just got in the way but it's been amazing to hear from you and we'll reply as soon as we can to email sorry we've been a bit crap at getting back to you but thank you so much and we're back in business <laughs>